Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. The Women in Sport podcast with Ger McCarthy on the Big Red Bench. Welcome to another edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. And we have another cracking show for you this week. I'm your host, Ger McCarthy, and you can follow me on my social media, Instagram and Twitter accounts at germccarthy 74 this week, I speak to Irish Athletics sprint star Joan Healy about her injury-ravaged season and her targets for a very busy 2022. Also, I'll hear from Dripsy motor racing sensation Kaylee Cole on her rise up the go-karting and Formula 1000 driver's ranks. It's a huge weekend for the Cork Senior Ladies football team as they take on arch-rivals Dublin in the National League Division 1 final at Crow Park. I got defender Melissa Duggan and manager Ify Fitzgerald's thoughts ahead of that big showdown. It's also a very busy weekend for Cork Camogie with the senior squad taking on Tipperary in the Munster Championship. The Cork Under-16 and Junior Inter-County Camogie squads are also in action, and I caught up with manager of both teams, Donny Daly, ahead of their weekend fixtures. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Joan Healy has endured a torrid year beset by injuries. The former Bandon and current Leevale Athletics Club sprinter is still recovering from a leg injury that ruled the Balanine native out of qualifying for the Tokyo Olympics with the Irish International 4x100 relay team. And yet, there is much to look forward to in 2022 as Joan Healy sets her sights on the World Championships in Oregon. Okay, it's a real thrill to have athlete and star runner um, Leevale Club and former Bandon Athletics Club Joan Healy with us here on the Women in Sport podcast. Joan, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Um, a lot of ground to cover so I want to I want to just try and get to the to, to the to the main point unfortunately which is your injury. Um, mm-hmm. You were on the verge um, of qualifying with the Irish 4 by 100 relay team for the Olympics but disaster struck just before Christmas. Can you just take us through what happened and how you're currently faring? Yeah, um, so basically um, after lockdown and when I returned to to work um, as a secondary school teacher back um, last August, start of September, um, I think it was about two weeks into to work and I was just starting back into my winter training. I picked up um, a phone injury, plantar fasciitis, um, which I'm not sure if many of your listeners are familiar with it, but it's probably one of the most frustrating injuries that I have picked up. Um, so basically, it stopped me um, from running um, for a long period of time. I had to move my, my training to the rock bike um, in our clubhouse. So pretty much spent um, all the winter months transferring all my track sessions um, over to the rock bike. Um, spent a lot of those sessions on my own. Um real tough real tough time um you know over the winter months um and then i eventually got back um running on the track uh probably about the the last week of december um into the first week of of january um and then to help things along i could still because i had missed so much time on the track i couldn't go back to the usual amount of days that i would usually train on the track so i kind of had to to gradually um increase um, bearing in mind then that you know European Championships were coming up, uh, I hadn't run in at least twelve weeks at that stage. Um, so I paired up with my my sister and her coach for a lot of um, my track sessions, and we spent them training in the National Indoor Arena in Dublin because we didn't have the same access to, to tracks down here with with COVID and, and lockdown going on. Um, so that was a long a long period of time um, of training on my own and then trying to get back onto the start line um, 
for European Championships. Uh, probably if I didn't have the help um, of Phil over the winter, Phil had a lot of experience being on transferring her track sessions onto the WAF bike, having broken her foot back in the summer of 2019. So if I didn't have her help with the WAF bike over the winter, I probably wouldn't have gotten myself to the start line um, for a European Championship. Um, but look, I got out there and I knew going out there I was I was nowhere near the, the shape that I would usually um, come to a start line uh, with. But, you know, I was just, at the time, I was just happy to be there. And... Um, my performance was uh, well off my best, um, and it was, I was quite disappointed with it. But I, w- I came away from it. I was I was glad to get the to get the exposure to get back competing, having not competed in so long due to COVID, and to come away from it um, pretty much in in one piece and healthy. Um, and then I I finally got back into training. I took a, um, about two weeks break before we started back into um, outdoor training. And just as I was getting back, um, I picked up um, another same foot, another injury um, with my Achilles. Um, and, you know, when you hear Achilles, um, kind of alarm bells go off, um, especially when you're kind of on, on the other side of the 20s. Yeah. Um, it's not a nice injury to have. And, you know, lots of um, really good athletes in the past, you know, they've you know in their later years of their career they have picked up Achilles injuries and it has often been you know the final nail in the coffin um, for their sporting career so that was in the back of my mind um I was told that I had I had picked it up and I had gotten to the to the root of it fairly fairly quickly and that you know with a little bit of rehab that it could it could possibly tear up in in the space of a week um now, bearing in mind, I was trying, you know, we were told, you know, I needed to be on the team. I was going to be running the last leg for, for the 4 by one for, for World Relays. And we needed to get into the top eight to qualify for the Olympics. And it was definitely something that was within our grasp. And I was super conscious of it at the time because I was like, oh my God, if I can't, you know, if I can't make it to the start line, what's going to happen with the rest of the team? And... So basically, um, it didn't clear up in a week. Um, it actually got worse. Um, and it came to a stage where I was training um, the week before we were supposed to go away on a camp for the relay. Um, and I had to pull up in the session and I, I couldn't walk for a few days after that. And I was I was full sure that I had torn something in my Achilles. Mm. Um, it was just a, a really slow, frustrating process from there. Um, you know, trying to get into an MRI machine, you know, um, I suppose I probably, you know, I would have preferred if, you know, that had been dealt with first day when, when the symptoms appeared, especially, you know, with so much at stake with the World Championships, I, I should have been put into an MRI machine from day one. Um, they would have figured out what the problem was. So what it ended up being was I pinched one of the, the fluids, of sa- uh, the sack of fluid in the back of my ankle Mm. which had caused a, a spray of fluid um, into the area surrounding my Achilles. That thing kind of created a little bit of pumpkin stickiness and caused the tendon sheath to stick to my Achilles, um, and that was creating irritation every time mm. I ran on it. Um, so basically I went to, to see um, the surgeon in the sports surgery clinic in, in Dublin. Um, he's an Achilles specialist. And he advised um, basically a high volume um, injection 
um, which kind of separates the tendon out from the Achilles, and then just a little bit of um, cortisone to to clear up any inflammation. And George, um, so sorry, yes. just on that, I mean, that's a, an awful long, difficult, drawn-out process for an athlete to go through. Um, you, so drawn-out, yeah. Yeah, now, unfortunately, you didn't get there in the end, and worse still, Molly Scott, Sarah, Sarah Lavin, Kate Doherty and Sarah Quinn missed out by 0.28 seconds in Olympic qualification. Mm-hmm. But there is good news because their time has also qualified you, or qualified the 4x100 relay team for next year's World Championships in Oregon. And 2022 has a lot of targets for you. There's the World Indoor Championships in Belgrade. There's the potential of the 4x100 relay. And there's also the Outdoor European Championships in Munich. Of those... Which is the one that you're targeting the most that you want to be right for? Um, well, I suppose they they all come, you know, with their different targets because they're all at different times of the year. And it's absolutely fantastic that the girls managed to get that top 10 qualification for the World um, Championships next year and in the, the home of athletics, um, which will be in Hayward Field in um, Oregon. Um, I suppose at the moment my target, because it's the first one up and... I do love the 60 metres um, and I'm 100 of a second off the standard. Um, my target for the moment will be the world indoors um, and making it through the rounds there. Um, that's provided now, you know, that, you know, I, I'm i in the middle of the rehabbing stage of the Achilles. I've had the injection. Um, I still have to be cautious with it. Um, so hoping that I get out on the other side of the, of the rehab and that I can really, you know, put a good winter uninterrupted um, under my belt, then things will be looking really good for um, okay. for world indoors. Um, when world indoors are over, then obviously your your whole focus changes to extending from sixty to hundred. Um, I know people probably think that's a very short distance, but there's an awful lot that can happen there in that last forty meters. Yeah. Um, so aside, like it's obviously, I would absolutely be going to get on that um, that strike four for the four by one relay, but. Um, I will also be looking at trying to to improve my my rankings and get on the team for um, my own individual hundred meters, um, and the same then for yeah. for the European Championships at the end of next August. Well, look, I mean, obviously, it's been a difficult time for for somebody as dedicated as yourself. You're working full time as well, of course, in the middle of all of this. A secondary mm-hmm. school teacher in Terence McSweeney Community College in Ochnahini, but. The prospects are good. Your injury will clear up. You have a lot of targets to look forward to and to aim for next year. But the immediate one right now, can I just put it to you? Obviously, yourself and Phil are two of not just West Cork, but Cork and the country's best young young athletes and runners that that we've ever produced. Obviously, the Olympics are looming large on the horizon. I know you and your family are going to be fully behind Phil. Um, how, How is she and how are her preparations going? She's great. Um, I was actually just down in Waterford with her there on Tuesday. Um, she's uh, down with her, watching her training, and she's in fab condition. Um, really good shape. She's really looking forward to to national seniors, which will be next weekend, and that will be her last competition, as far as I'm aware, before she heads off to to the Olympics. Um, and there's some really vital ranking points for her there to pick up um, for the 400 meters. Um, but look, you know, we're we're just so incredibly proud um, of what she has achieved so far and to, to have someone in the family um, 
going to an Olympic Games. I mean, we, you know, growing up, we've we've known people um, who've gone to the Olympics, but you you never really think that it's going to happen in your own family. Um, so to have still going to the Olympics on not one but possibly three events—that's just absolutely um, incredible, and we are just filled with pride. And obviously we hope that it's not the only Healy family member that we're talking about in either in European Championship success or maybe Olympic success down the line. I'd imagine that's still a target yeah. <laughs> She will, I suppose, um, in, you know, when I was back in my early 20s thinking of, you know, when it will be the end of the sport, I probably thought that, you know, maybe, you know, my late 20s, early 30s, I might start hanging up with bikes. Mm. Um, but having suffered the few injuries that I have there now in the, in the last year, um, Phil is pushing me to, especially now that we've missed a year with the Olympics and the next Olympics are going to be in three years, not four. She is pushing me to, to hang in there and, and go for for Paris in 24. Well, can I join the chorus then, along with everybody else on the Women in Sport <laughs> podcast and say, because I've seen you in action, Joan, and when you're fully fit, you've every chance of qualifying for an Olympics. Uh, it was look fingers crossed yeah. yes a real look obviously the attention will be on Phil and rightly so in the coming weeks but we're going to keep in touch and hopefully hopefully in the next couple of years we'll also get a chance to talk to you qualifying for the Olympics as well absolutely thanks for your time and uh, listen all the best in the future thanks miss the show grab the big red bench podcast at redfm.ie Red FM. Go-karting and Formula 1000 motor racing driver Kayleigh Cole is making a name for herself. A podium finisher in the Motorsport Ireland Kart Series, the Gypsy native and Leaving Cert student was recently named Best Newcomer in her debut F1000 race weekend at Silverstone. Now part of the groundbreaking W Series Racing Championship for Women, Kayleigh Cole is a name you are going to be hearing a lot more about in the coming years. Now, it's a real pleasure to invite a very special guest to the Women in Sport podcast this week, and that is Motor Racing's Kayleigh Cole. Kayleigh, how are you? And welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really good. It's lovely to talk to you. Now, you are an F1000 motorsport driver. You were also a go-karting sensation, if I can say so myself. But where where did the go-karting start? Where did the fascination with go-karts and how did it all begin? Um, well, I always had a passion for the sport. Like, you know, I was always on my dad's shoulders watching the rallying since a really young age. Um, and my dad would have been, you know, involved with the rallies over in the UK where he lived. Um, my uncle was a rally driver and my godfather would have been British rally champion in the early 2000s. So it was always, you know, in the family um, somewhat. And then one year I just turned around to my dad and I was like, oh, I want to be behind the wheel. I don't want to, you know, be watching on the sideline anymore. Um, so in 2016 of Christmas, um, I came downstairs Christmas morning and there was a car. Uh, just sitting in the garage, you know, and I was like, wait, what? I was so confused because I never thought, you know, I'd get the chance to be behind the wheel of, you know, a car or a cart. Um, so then 2016, I got the, my first ever go-kart. Um, I never really wanted to go, you know, competing or, you know, anything competition-wise. Just, you know, I wanted to do it as a family fun day on a Sunday kind of thing. Um, so then I think I'd done my first test day in Watergrass Hill in County Cork. Um, and then from there, I just, continued practicing and testing in Watergrass Hill and um, then in May of 2017 um, a late friend of ours, uh, Donal O'Brien he owns Donal O'Brien Car Sales in Tremor Road 
um, he passed away. He was involved in a tragic accident. So I'd done my first race for him um, in his honour and I adopted his race number from when he used to race many years, many years from of his age. But um, yeah, so I started basically in his honour and I've never stopped since. Yeah, and it's the number 18 card that he would have, the number 18 is the number that he would have used, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't use the number 18 for many years. Um, obviously, he had a lot of other numbers if he couldn't get that number on a race weekend, but he raced from like rallying to, you know, formula cars. He'd done a bit of karting, so, he, you know, I kind of looked up to him at the start of my career and then, um, yeah. Um, you started out, you, you really enjoyed it. Watergrass Hill, it's a fantastic facility. You were with the yeah. Tully Allen outfit, and you. What is Junior Rotax, and how does that work? Um, so I started in Junior Rotax. It's just like a junior category, you know, like a junior engine. Um, and then I done it with Tully Allen Car Club. So it's just like a club that you know race all over Ireland in different tracks. And um, that's where I started. I didn't really, you know, my dad didn't really want to throw me into a motorsport Ireland licensed race for my first time. Um, so I started with the club and from there I just done, you know, a little races here and there in 2018. Um, I did the full junior uh, championship um, in the junior Otax car. Um, and then in 2019 I moved to the senior category. So it would have been, you know, a faster engine with a power valve on it, etc. So just a faster engine and older people in the class would have been seniors. But the juniors would have been around the same age as myself. Things have progressed very quickly for you, though, Kaylee, because since then you've now moved on to the Formula 1000 series. And I know we're moving on quickly here over what has been a very successful karting career for you so far for somebody so young. But yeah. for those who don't know, again, Formula 1000 is a big step up in terms of speed, in terms of a single seat or chassis. How did you find, the, you know, moving from a car to that and how has it been going for you? Um, for moving from a cart to the F1000 singles there was a massive jump to, like you know compared like speed wise and you know being so low to the floor um, in the car was unbelievable you know obviously I'm at the same like height off the floor in a car but at such high speeds it was amazing but you know I'm going like nearly over 100 miles an hour down the straight of a car, like a car track over in the UK in the car compared to like you know going around a car track is just such a big difference um, it's just like a bigger go-kart but a lot faster and you know at the start it was really daunting to find my limits in it because it was so quick um, and you know jumping just from carting into that and only the space of three years you know is a massive jump so it was daunting at the start, but and it still is when I go to new tracks around the UK. But um, you know, you just have to start trusting the car and you know finding your limits a lot, and you'll enjoy it a lot more. Then, so indeed, for somebody who loves Formula One, what is it like to race around Silverstone? Because you you got to do that in the in the Formula One thousand. Yeah, no, I I raced around the Silverstone National Circuit, and I'm actually on the. GPF1 circuit in uh, August coming. Okay. Um, so coming down the straight of, you know, Silverstone, I never thought I'd be, you know, going around Silverstone circuit. You know, I always thought that, you know, I'd be in carts. You know, I didn't, we never thought we'd have the budget or anything to, you know, go cars. Um, but like, thanks to my sponsors, I've, you know, gotten the opportunity to do that. Um, we sold our race truck recently um, last year to buy the car and we sold my dad's car. So, it's been hard to, you know, get up and going, but Silverstone track was certainly an experience <laughs> of them all. 
Wow, it must have been. And just on that, you, you did a very, very good uh, interview with Martin Walsh in the Southern Star newspaper. And in that, you just mentioned all the sponsors who have helped you get this far. And it's only fair that we, we list them out. CB Tool Hire, Lulu's Coffee, Bishopstown, Mark Coveney Groundworks, Logistical Transport, Don O'Brien Car Sales, Infoli Electrical Services and Jason O'Brien Car Sales. They've been hugely important to you, Kaylee, and you're obviously very thankful to their support. Yeah, no, definitely. I, ever since I started, I've had, you know, them sponsors on board with me and I'm more than grateful to, you know, still have them on board. They've been absolutely amazing to me and my family since we're only a family-run team. So, yeah, no, I'm really, really grateful for them. Now, talk to me about, you've, you've had a lot of experience of Formula 1000, but talk to me about the W Series and what that is and what's coming up in terms of races in the Formula 1000 Series. I know you're going to Brands Hatch pretty soon before the end of the month and then Silverstone. But what is the W Series? Um, the W Series is basically an all-female grid. So it's, they run alongside the F1 weekend. So they it's like an F3 car. Um, and it's just all females on the on the grid, basically all racing against each other. Um, I suppose it gets you know the females opportunities to you know go out and get the feel for F3 cars and you know you know meet other females on the grid because it's not it's really unusual to see a female, but you know once you have the helmet on, you're all the same anyway. Um, but yeah, no, it's an all female F3 grid that run alongside the F1, so that's my main aim. You know, towards my racing career, that's what I want to. That's my main aim. This what I'm aiming for really you have Sarah Moore as your driving coach and you're going to get a lot of experience of the British tracks we mentioned Brands Hatch we mentioned Silverstone there's also Alton Park and Snetterton this is an exciting time for you but how important is it that you learn as much as you possibly can from Sarah yeah no Sarah's my driver coach she's currently in the W Series um, grid so I we've met Sarah like in 2019 when I started winning championships over here in Ireland and she's been an absolute great support since then. And this year, she's come, becoming my driver coach. So it's so amazing to have Sarah there on the weekend since she's so, you know, experienced with cars and stuff. Um, so, yeah, no, Sarah has been an awesome person to have at the track. And I have progressed a lot with her being there. I was at Brands Hatch last weekend. Um, and I got my highest results at 15 out of 25 cars. So... She really, really did help me progress to that um, podium of finish. So, yeah. Um, and just finally, uh, Kelly, and it's fantastic to hear that you're, you've made uh, even more progress already in getting your highest finish there. It's not a sport that's immediately associated with women, motorsport. I think that's a fair comment to make. But yeah. it's changing. It is changing. The W Series is a positive move and it's obviously benefiting yourself. But what would you say to a young girl who might hear this interview, who might read about you in the newspapers? What is it about motorsport and why should they try it? Um, I mean, it's a great discipline, mentally and physically. Um, a lot of girls will like, you know, look at, from the sport on the outside and think, you know, it's all men because it is a male-dominated sport. Um, but once you actually get involved with whatever side of motorsport you're looking to get into, you'll realise that there is a lot of girls in, in like, you know, involved in it. Um, you meet so many people along the way, you know, the friends you make is absolutely awesome. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter what or who you are, once the helmet goes on, you're all racing drivers. So it is really good fun and any girl that would get into it would 100% love it. 
when it's clear that you have a passion and also a talent and a skill for it and we look forward um, on the Women in Sport podcast hopefully touching base with you again later in the year to see how you're progressing just finally Kaylee, who are you currently racing for and what is coming up in the next couple of weeks um, well I'm racing for JFK Racing Team um, I'm on their team at the moment so we raced them last weekend at Brands Hatch and they're a run real team first time actually racing in a car team so it was a bit different you know normally it's just me and my dad um but yeah no in carrying i'm racing this weekend in the motorsport ireland championship at galway tina so i have that this weekend coming and then um in august the 7th i have silverstone international so i'm really looking forward to that um that's going to be a bigger experience racing on a gp track the Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork and Dublin meet in the 2021 Lidl National League Division 1 final at Crow Park on Saturday night. It should be another huge occasion between the two heavyweights of ladies senior football. I caught up with Cork senior manager Evie Fitzgerald, but first, here's senior inter-county defender Melissa Duggan. Now, Cork senior footballer Melissa Duggan is gearing up for another massive weekend and a National League final appearance against Dublin the third time the two counties have met in the last seven months. Melissa, thanks very much for joining us on the Women in Sport podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be on it. Good stuff. Um, I just mentioned there, uh, it's not like you don't know what's coming this weekend against the Dubs. You've met in last year's All-Ireland final in December. You had a cracking game down in Parky Cueve recently in the National League. But from your perspective and from an inter-county player's perspective, you've played against a lot of really great teams this year, likes of Waterford, likes of Donegal, likes of Tip. What's the difference? What's it like when you're facing Dublin and what do they bring when, when you, you know, to a match when you face them? Yeah, I suppose um, Dublin, are, you know, their conditioning and their strength is just, just so high at the moment and they just bring such a big physicality um, and the hits you get on the field um, is totally different to when you play other teams so I think it's the huge physicality and even the presence of their players you know um, um, like Lon McGee in midfield and um, you know the forward line they're just so attacking and I think it's just the presence and the physicality that they bring um, is different compared to the other teams we've played so far um, and as, as well as that they're still fast um, uh, so they attack like in numbers and are fast through the middle so um, we really have to watch that um, next Saturday night now um, just to keep the eye on the second player not to play on the ball because there's always a runner coming through they're really good at that um, so we really have to watch that and um, you, as you said we have played them twice and space of nearly six or seven months so it is hard to you know we, we know the players so well and we know how they play so and I suppose it's in Coke Park and whenever we seem to play them it's in big stadiums so the atmosphere that brings you know is a different level to what we play um, we say when we're playing maybe in Washford or maybe in Galway like two weeks ago you know it does bring a different aspect to the game when you're playing in big stadiums um, because there's a real like championship feel to it and there's a real like money on the line kind of feel to it so um, yeah I suppose it's probably the atmosphere and the physicality that um, Dublin kind of bring when we play to them that um, that's what makes them stand out a bit more than other teams 
Is it fair to say, Melissa, because you've played each other so often and you know each other so well, I mean, that last game in Parky Cueve, I mean, there was barely enough time to catch her breath up in the stands watching it. What was that like to play in? Because it was non-stop. And you mentioned the runners coming through and Dublin's ability to get an overlap and get scores. But Cork showed that they can do that too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, that match, like, it was... Like, it was a great league game to have because I feel like nobody, like, you know, obviously somebody we, somebody wanted a winner, um, but, like, all the, like, shackles were off and, you know, everybody had a chance to prove themselves, whether you were just on the team or whether you were on the team for four or five years, you know. And I suppose we had our purple patch um, at the start of the second half and, you know, that's you know, we we you you could see the runners coming through, and we created goal opportunities and had a few chances missed. Um, and then Dublin went down and did the same um, to us, and then the game was the draw. Dublin went up again, so like it was just an up and down game. Like there was no stop to it at all, and um, like the game flowed so well. And you know, it was a really hard league game because there was no stop. Like the ball was down on one side, and then it was down on the other side. So it was a great. It was great to have them in the league and to play them down in court. And I suppose the last ten minutes probably stood out to me for the most because you know we were really going at them. And you know, I think if we bring that level of um, intensity that we had that we finished the game off with. Um, it will be great going into the match on Saturday. And I think we have, like, I think all the girls will remember those last um, 10 minutes of the Dublin game in the league. And hopefully we'll bring that intensity and transfer it over to the start of the game now on Saturday. Indeed, let's hope so. Um, what's it like playing in a half-back line with the likes of Eric O'Shea and Ashley Hutchings? Because the three of you, over the last couple of games especially, um, have been really excelling. It's a very, very important line in the way if he Fitzgerald plays. He likes to get the ball forward to the forwards as quickly as he can. But your ability, not alone to defend, but to join the attack, I mean, it suits your game down to the ground. So what's it like playing with those two? Um, it's great to have like a solid like half-back line back there now. Um, I suppose they had been chopping and changing a bit at the start of the league and maybe a bit last year. But um, it's great that we're all similar players. You know, we're all... We're all nearly similar height. We're all similar build a bit. And, you know, we're very alike playing-wise. So, you know, if you could play Hutch in the wing, or you know, you could drop it a bit as well. So it's great that we're all kind of similar style players. And um, it's great. I suppose it's just the way that we want to play this year. We want to be um, attacking more and we want to have those runners um, coming through. But as well as that, as you said, we need to defend as well. So, um it's actually it's great for the league that we did manage to build up um, kind of um, a good connection between ourselves and on those lines. Um, you know, there doesn't need to be three of us going. You know, if Erica goes, I stay. You know, if if I go, Erica stays. So we kind of have that um, well rehearsed now, I suppose, at this stage. And going into championship, I think it's important, especially you know, Erica's still so young. She's only doing the leaving stuff this year. So um, for her to get experience playing you know, on that line with us um, repetitively, it's great because she knows now to stay, whereas maybe last year she used to go when I used to go and that left us completely open in the back line. So we we, we have better communication definitely with the three of us now this year. Um, so it's, it's 
great going into the championship and I suppose going for a fashion day as well. Yeah, and just finally on that, Melissa, how much are you looking forward to it? You've played in a fair share of finals, but Crow Park dubs on Saturday night under floodlights on TV, it, it, it doesn't really get much better than that right now in ladies' football senior level. Oh, definitely not. Um, I suppose, like, our league campaign was a bit up and down. You know, we've only, we've been trying out new players and they've got their chance. And, you know, we, we've been going all right, but, you know, nothing standing out yet. So I suppose we want to peak come championship. So I think this league final will definitely help us peak come championship. And, like, to get to the league final, it's great. You know, like, you know, at the start of the year, you're, you're looking for a league final, you're looking for the championship final. So it's great to get the, to take one back and um, in Coke Park on a Saturday evening, sure, where else would you want to be? You know, it's great. It's, it's the only place I'd want to be anyway on a Saturday evening. And hopefully, um, you know, with the crowd coming in, I think there are like 10,000. So, you know, it's so exciting. You, it's a feel like it's an, an All-Ireland Championship final because I suppose it's the first time the crowd can go. So there's huge excitement at home and everything like that. So it is fantastic and you know, when the ball shows up now on Saturday evening, I know there'll be like maybe probably a bit more nerves because we're in Copac and there is the people yes, watching us and everything like that. But you know, I think there'll be good nerves. You know, it'll, it'll be exciting for everybody, and it's just great to have have a chance to play in Copac this year. Okay, Evie Fitzgerald, it's a third meeting with Dublin uh, since late last year in this weekend's National Football League final. You know each other pretty well, you know each other inside out at this stage. Um, is the preparation any different this time around, even though it's a league final? Um, no, well, our preparation has been different this year in the sense that we're preparing for championship, but with regard to Dublin, not really. We know what they'll bring. You know, they're physical, they're strong, they're very, very fast. Um and we have to try and match that. Yeah, they're physically they're bigger than us, but you know I think we're we're closing the gap in terms of strength and that. But um, it's you know the game in the park was was a great spectacle and everything the day. We came out the wrong side of that, so it's you know such a good. They'll obviously be fair, but Sunday with their record and all of that. But we're we're looking forward to that. Forward to the to the challenge again. I think it's you know every time we play in Club Park and particularly against Dublin, um, it's good learning experience for our girls. So um, looking forward to the challenge. On second or even third viewing and analysing that last game in Parky Creeve, despite all the, the scores and the excitement from a manager's point of view, have you taken a lot of positives out of it since that you didn't necessarily see the first time around? Well, I suppose the big positive was the scoring rate was very, very high. Um, like in, in the last number of meetings with Dublin, the, the scoring has tended to be low. No, they haven't scored a whole lot either, but you know they've 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 kind of kept us to to pretty low scores by our standards. So. That point of view is very, very good. No, you know you have to you have to look at it in the broader picture and say we've we conceded a lot more as well. So from that point of view, that's something we've been trying to work on as well over the last number of weeks. But I, I don't think you know it's, it's the one thing we learned is I don't think you'd be tentative against Dublin. You know, mm. if you draw them onto you, you know they'll do damage. They're very, very big, as I said. They, you know they can play it long. They can they can run through the lines. Um, they're very good off the shoulder. You know, I mean their game. When you look at it, it's give and go, and the plenty of runners coming through the middle. So, um, there are things we've been working on, but you know we'll see. We'll see on Saturday. That, you know how, how much improvement we made. But I do think, you know, certainly as as a team and as a group, we certainly improved. Our fitness levels have have gone well up. You know, the girls are looking after themselves and off the field as much as on it in terms of their nutrition and, and and everything else. So that's the standard. I mean, Dublin have set that standard. We have to try and match it. Um, and we're we're I think the gap is narrowing. Hopefully, anyway. Um. 
from an injury point of view, how are the long-term injuries, if not for this weekend, looking ahead to the championship, like Savani Terry, like Neil Cotter, Laura Manny, how happy are you yeah. with, with their recovery? Yeah, well, Neil Cotter, I don't think we'll, 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 we'll see Neil this year, to be honest. Um, that's an ongoing problem for us. So, mm. um, Laura Manny's back training, but this will be far too soon for um Anya Terry is back training. Um, good play at that on Sunday. Um, Marie Ambrose is back in full training now. So, but again, these games are probably coming a bit early. Um, but again, they're increasing the strength of the panel. And hopefully, if we can keep if we can keep those guys fit, I know over the next few weeks again, get them get to the championship level, it'll give us far more options. Um, is it fair to say that your forward line is very different from how it ended last year? I mean, you've the likes of Cy Valeri, you've the likes of Emmett Cleary, Katie Quirk now uh, coming in, making make, making an impact in the league, which is what you want them to do to give you that headache when it comes to the championship. But is it a fair comment to say that these are more mobile, slightly faster players and that that's altering sometimes the way that you approach when you attack? Well, our approach is trying to get the ball forward quicker anyway, Ger. So, yeah, so he was very, very quick. Katie's quick. Um, so, from, I suppose there's... They are quick, but also I think our, our movement of the ball is quicker as well. So it's a kind of a marrying of both, really. Um, but certainly we, we look far more potent going forward. Um, now again on Sunday, Dublin will, or on Saturday, sorry, Dublin will be, you know, the backs, you know, they, they probably have everybody back now. They're, they're fairly formidable and they're, they're tough. And if you go in one-on-one against them, they generally turn you over. So um, it'll be a different experience in Crow Park. But it's, it's something we're looking forward to. And I suppose to answer your question in terms of last year, yeah, we probably have that bit more pace in the team all over, really, not just in terms of not just in terms of the, the forward line. And, you know, the game nowadays is all about strength, power, speed and that. So uh, that all goes well for the future. But they're young girls and they're learning. You know, every game is different for them. And, you know, but they've come on leaps and bounds this year. And as I said earlier on the year, we were looking to, to unearth some new talent during the league. And I think we've certainly done that. And just finally, is that the goal from Saturday night? Obviously, you want to win. You want to go in. You want to beat Dublin and get one over them heading into the All Ireland Championship. But is the goal again to see the players that might have been on the fringe at the start of the year, put them into a pressure situation, and see how they go? Well, it's, there's a bit of everything. Obviously, we want to win the match, but at the end of the day, we you know we've won three of the last four leagues, I think, and haven't won the championship. So, you know, our, our total focus is on, on trying to win the championship. So, uh, from that point of view, this is another game along the way, and it's a very, very obviously it's a very competitive game, and it's something that we wouldn't get with playing lead in the championship two weeks later. So, it's invaluable in terms of of um, of game game time and playing as they say, playing Crow Park and playing the championship type atmosphere. So. That's fantastic, but we're not going up there to make up the numbers. We're certainly going up there to give it, give it our best. And um, you know, I'm looking forward. to certainly looking forward to how the girls react in Crow Park um, on Saturday evening. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. It's a massive weekend for the Cork Camogie teams as Paddy Murray's seniors take on Tipperary in the Munster Senior Championship. Donny Daly is also going to be a busy man as manager of both the Cork Under 16 and Junior Intercounty squads. Both of Donny's teams face tricky provincial championship games but are in good shape ahead of a very very busy weekend now it's a very busy weekend for Cork Camogie because the senior team uh, take on Tipperary in the Munster semi-final in Parky Ring on Sunday night but before that there's two very important matches number one um, on Sunday afternoon at WIT in Waterford the under 16s face Waterford in their All-Ireland Championship group and on Saturday evening, the Munster Junior semi-final sees Cork taken on Kerry uh, with a 7.15 throw. And now, Donny Daly is manager of both the under-16s and the juniors, so he's a very, very busy man. Donny, let's start with that under-16 game against Waterford, because you've already had a good start to the season. What are you expecting uh, down in WIT, and how have preparations gone? Yeah, well, 
Yeah, hi there. Um, yeah, look, we're expecting a very tough game against Walford. Um, they played Tipperary last week, and I think Tip Tip beat them, uh, beat them by seven points. Um, so look, like they, they, won't, they won't be bad. Walford need to win this game. Jerk to to stay in the competition. Um, we're in a kind of uh, good enough spot insofar as you know we we, 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 we can afford to even lose the game, and we we still qualify. But 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 again, we won't be taking anything for granted. You know, you you, you go into every game um, looking to 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 I suppose do the best you can. So we we we've been out uh, oh, to win the game. We have we have taught the panel taught the girls. They'll, They'll all be looking um, to put in a performance. Um, the such the competition that you can't have a bad game because look, there's, there's always a girl there who will come in and and, and try and take her place. So look, we we we'll treat it as as as, as a championship game, um, very seriously. Um, we'll go to win and and then we'll take the next game after that. So look, it's it's a very important game. Yeah, you, I've been following you just in the week off, or, or since, or not the week off, but the week since you played Tipperary. You've had the team down in y'all, and in a couple, uh, you've been doing some uh, team bonding sessions. Yeah, we did. Look, like it's not all about training and uh, you know working them hard. We had a, we had a bit of fun down in y'all. Um, we kind of go down there every year. Actually, with, with our sixteen team, we we take a night off. We go down to y'all. We have a bit of fun. Um, and look, that's that that's better than than any training session early. Um, the girls start to. You know, get to know each other. The, the, the different groups then uh, you know come together and they start you know having having a, having a bit of crack. Um, so that was Tuesday. We trained again then as normal Thursday. We had a game against the Miners on Sunday morning, and we went to Ballyhas in Coatsford again for another bit of uh, fun and, bon- and bonding. So look, like under sixteen, it's it is very competitive, but we try to make the year, I suppose, as as. Um, Memorable for the girls as possible, and and I think we we, we do that. So look, they they should be well rested and prepared now for for the match against Waterford. Yeah, it's refreshing to hear that from an inter-county coach, uh, Donny. You don't often hear that, but it's good to hear that the team are, and uh, even from looking at your social media channels there, it's clear they had a lot of fun and they enjoyed themselves, but they should be ready for this game against Waterford at the weekend. You don't seem to have any time off, though, because any time off you do have, not alone have you got the under-16s this weekend, you're also in charge of the Munster Junior Camogie team that take on Kerry in the Munster semi-final. Now, how important is this junior team to the overall development of Cork Camogie? Uh, it's look. I think it's very, very important. Uh, like this is this will be my fifth year uh, managing the, the junior team. I came on board in twenty sixteen, twenty sixteen, and look. It's, it's in fairness, it's only a one month job. To be honest, you know, two games maximum. You have a semi final of Munster, and you have a, you have a, a final if you're lucky enough to get to it. Um, the, I suppose the difference is you're, deal, you're, you're, you're obviously dealing with adults and you're dealing with girls who are obviously the, the best in their in their clubs at senior, intermediate and junior level throughout the county. So you get a great mix of girls. You get a great... Um, there's a great... Um, I suppose uh, the, the, the mixture is—it's it's not something you get obviously under sixteen. Um, It's—it's—it's it's, it's akin to, to obviously the intermediate and junior, but you know, and and in fairness, some of the, the standards. A lot of these girls have played senior in, in their time. They've obviously played club senior, but but they, they may have played senior intercounty uh, um, and intermediate intercounty. So the standard is very high. The only problem is you don't get a whole pile of time with them. You know, we may, might have them for two weeks prior to a match um, and the biggest like we're not trying to teach these girls skills or you know our tactics 
it's basically to get to know each other over the course of maybe you know, two, three training sessions and then throw them into the 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 championship uh, heat you know, on, on, on a Saturday, obviously against Kerry, um, which would be very tough because Kerry are playing intermediate league. Um, they won the All Ireland in 2019, um, and they've been together since you know, with months and months at this stage. And they're a real team, obviously, a real team. We're we're putting together a team in two weeks to take take them on. Um, but obviously, the car pick in Cork is, is a lot bigger than, than Kerry, so you know, um, it's 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 it, there's different challenges, obviously. But you know, we'll be up for it on Saturday. It'll be tough, but we'll, we'll be up for it. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.